Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we've been able to make time out of our busy weeks uh, to come and spend time listening to what you have to say in your word about your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that we may listen carefully this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit, and we may be edified as we learn about Jesus Christ, your precious Son. And Lord, we pray that by coming here this morning, we may leave with a greater joy in our hearts than when we came in because we know that Jesus Christ died for us. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, I think we all know that feeling of when we've put a lot of effort into something and it turns out it's all for nothing. We've tired ourselves at trying to do something in particular and then it turns out that it's all for nothing. I've recently had this experience. I had the great idea of trying to save money by growing lettuce in our backyard. And I thought it'd be fun for the kids as well if we were to grow lettuce. And so I cordoned off a bit of the uh, yard. I dug it up and I put pavers down in a ring around it to uh, try and keep the grass from growing into it and weeds from going in there. And then I, of course, got some... um, topsoil and put that in as well and I got my lettuce seeds because of course that's the cheapest way to do things if you get the seeds uh, you can start that way and I put them in the ground and then I dutifully watered them uh, every day I'd go out and, and give them a bit of water and to get the kids to water them as well although sometimes I think they were a bit heavy-handed with the water and eventually some things started to grow and some lettuce Uh, leaves came up and I thought, oh, my plan has all worked out. This is going to be great. We're going to be able to feed ourselves silly on lettuce for, for months to come. And eventually it just worked out that these little leaves came up and that was about it. And then they started to turn brown and they never actually eventuated into that lovely looking lettuce that you see at the shops. And so after Jill looked at them for quite some time and said, yes, I think it's a failed effort. And I kept trying to water these plants and see that they would grow. I acknowledged that it was all for nothing. All my hard effort in trying to grow lettuce was for nothing. And so I pulled up the pavers that had hedged off this area of the backyard. And now I've just been letting grass grow into the area. And even that's taking its sweet time in happening. I found that it was all for nothing. Have you experienced that? that you've done something, that you put a lot of labour into something and then it turns out it is all for nothing? Well, that is what we're going to consider this morning, work that is done and whether it is all for nothing. And in particular, Christ's death, whether it is all for nothing. Because this is the idea that the Apostle Paul raises in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, which we just had read for us, which is found on page 1152 of your Black Church Bibles. I encourage you to have it open as we look at this passage together. In Galatians chapter 2, at verse 21, Paul mentions this idea. Verse 21, little number 21 on page 1152, we see Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law... Christ died for nothing. And that's what I want us to consider today. Did Christ die for nothing? Was all the work that he did for nothing? And when we consider his death, he indeed did go through an excruciating, painful, hard-working death. A lot harder work was put into by Christ into his death than I ever put into my lettuce garden. He experienced great physical pain. He endured that. He could have gotten out at any point. He even says that. 
And he could have uh, made sure that he didn't go to Jerusalem and didn't go and get arrested by the religious leaders and the soldiers. But instead he chose to. And then he endured torture, basically, before he was crucified. And then he endured that crucifixion, that terrible way of dying, that painful, excruciating, long, agonizing death. And then we understand that God's wrath was also poured out upon him at the cross as well. So there's not just the physical labor that, that Jesus did at the cross, but there's that spiritual, mental labor that Jesus also experienced at the cross as well. Now, I'm not one for physical labor, as evident by my lettuce garden. It took me a bit of work. But I know mental labor can tire me out. I do a fair bit of mental labor. And that's... What Jesus experienced at the cross as well, he had that spiritual work that he was doing of taking God's wrath on his shoulders. So the question is, he put all that effort into his death. Was it all for nothing? Did Christ die for nothing? Well, then we've got to consider what was the purpose of Christ's death? If it is for nothing, what was he trying to achieve? Well, he was trying to pay the penalty For the sins of humans. He was trying to grant forgiveness, take away God's wrath for our sin. And so then we've got to consider, is that necessary? If that is his purpose, is to take away our sin, to grant us forgiveness, was it necessary for Christ to die for our sins? Surely we're not that bad. Surely we can be good and be okay. We don't need God's forgiveness and we don't need someone to take the penalty, the punishment that we deserve for our sin, because we're okay. Surely there's another way for me to be right before God than Christ dying in my place. Surely if I obey the law, then I will be okay. If I'm just a good person, there's no need for Christ to die for me. Well, that brings me to my first main point this morning. My first main point, I've only got two main points this morning. You can see them on the back of the church bulletin. My first is that you are not justified by observing the law. You are not justified by observing the law. I mean, it's a common idea that we are justified by observing the law. If you obey law, then that will lead to a good life. You'll be right in the eyes of the lawgiver. And we see this even in our homes. My children know quite well that if they obey the laws of their parents, then they are in right standing with us and they experience a good life in the home. And conversely, if they do not observe the laws in our homes, then they're not in right standing with their parents, particularly with me. And Jill's a bit of a softer touch. They're not in right standing with me and life does not go peachy in the home for them. And we recognize this even in our society. There are laws given to us and if we observe those laws, then we're in right standing with the community, with the the law, and we don't get fined, we don't go to prison. But if we do not observe the laws, then we are not in right standing and we do get fined and we do go to prison. And even as a country as a whole, we observe international laws and we recognize that if we recognize other other countries' sovereignty and don't invade them, then we won't have problems of our own where people come and attack us, where foreign armies come. And so we have this understanding built into us that if we observe the law, then we are right before God, before the lawgiver. And so then it seems outrageous what we understand to be told to us 
in Galatians where it says to us that we are not justified by observing the law. And we read that in Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible teaches us that we're not justified by observing the law in Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. Little number 15 says, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified, that word justified means right standing, by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because... By observing the law, no one will be justified. By observing the law, no one will be justified. That sounds outrageous. That goes against everything that we understand from growing up. That if I observe the law, then I will be justified. I will be right. Can't we accuse God of injustice here? Just like my children accuse me of injustice. When they've observed the law and they get in trouble, they say... Well, one of them does. He's old enough to have picked this up, probably at preschool. Those words, not fair. He said it for the first time the other day. Not fair, Dad. I said, where did you hear those words? I said, it is fair. Just because you don't like what's happening doesn't mean it is unfair. It is not fair. But we understand that if we observe the law, if we do what is right then it's unjust if someone punishes us for observing the law. And so when we read here in God's word that by observing the law, no one will be justified, it sounds outrageous. It sounds like God is unjust. Can't we accuse him of injustice? I'm a good person. I observe the law. And then he says, I'm not justified. I'm not right before him. When I put so much effort into being right before him by observing the law. And many people do. They work really hard at being a good person. And then God comes along and says, by observing the law, no one will be justified. What a great injustice, isn't this, that is taught in the Bible? Well, the question then is raised, if God says this, there must be a reason for saying so. And we've got to try and work out why. And the question that we should ask is, can anyone actually observe God's law? Can anyone keep God's law? And in James chapter 2, verse 10, another book of the Bible, it says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. And when we understand that verse, we understand that if you break just one of God's laws, you are condemned. You, the standard of observing the law is perfection. You have to keep all of God's law perfectly if you wish to be one who observes the law and be justified before him. And that makes sense, even with our own laws. My children are expected to be good in the home all the time. If they break one law, it means they are up for a penalty. It doesn't matter how good they are the rest of the time, they deserve to be punished. And it's the same in our society. If you break the law, you can't look at your good, clean record in the past and say, I don't deserve to be punished. No, you're meant to keep the laws of the land all the time. And so it's the same with God. He expects perfection, just like society expects perfection from us. And if we don't give perfection, then they punish us. We are fined, we are imprisoned. And then when we look at our own lives, we recognize that 
we have broken God's law many, many times. Because God's law is not simply a law as simple as keep off the grass, something that you can just all your life try and not walk on God's grass and then you've observed the law. God's law is quite large and involves much of our lives. Every detail of our lives is covered by God's law. And so there's laws against anger, there's laws against lying, there's laws against theft, there's laws against lustful looks, there's laws against adultery, there's laws against greed, there's laws against disobeying your parents. I think it'd be hard-pressed to find anyone in the room who has never disobeyed their parents, even if your parents are dead and you're no longer with us. Think back to your childhood. Did you obey those in authority over you? And as soon as you broke one single law, what does James say? For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. And so when we consider what it means to observe the law, we consider that we are all undone because none of us have observed the law perfectly. We have all done wrong. And so Romans 3.10 is quite right when it says... There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. That's what the Bible says, and it matches up with life. We all think that, oh, I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says there is no one who does good, not even one. And so then we've got to recognize that what God's word says is right when he says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, by observing the law, no one will be justified. Why? Because no one observes the law. So no one will be justified. So then the question is, how can I be right with God? How can I be justified before God? Is justification even possible with God? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. You are justified by trusting in Christ. You are justified by trusting in Christ. Because verse 16 of Galatians chapter 2 isn't all bad news. Yes, it does tell us that we can't be justified by observing the law, but it does tell us how we can be justified, how we can be right before God. Look with me in verse 15 and 16 and see how we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, by trusting in him. Verse 15 we read, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but... By faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law no one will be justified. Three times it mentions faith there and all in relation to our justification, our right standing before God. What does faith mean? Well, another way of, another word we have in the English language is believe or trust. If we trust in Jesus, then we are justified before God. What do we trust about Jesus to get right before him? Well, it's that he has been crucified for us. That the penalty that we deserve for not observing the law has been paid in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul refers to in the next, in the next couple of verses, in particularly in verse 20 of Galatians chapter 2. He says, I have been crucified with Christ Jesus, with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life, I, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I have been crucified with Christ. If we trust in Christ, then we have been crucified with him. The penalty that we deserve for our sin is taken upon his shoulders. And so Paul is saying here in Galatians 2 that I'm no longer judged on my life but on Christ's life. And so my sin is paid for. Jesus Christ died that horrible, excruciating, painful death so that our sin could be paid for. And 1 Peter 3.18 tells us that as well. It says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. The righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus is one who observed the law perfectly. He is the righteous one. And he died for the unrighteous, for us who have not observed the law. And so that means Christ did not die for nothing. He died for something. He died for our sin. He died that painful death for us. Now you may be thinking this morning, oh really, he didn't need to go through all of that. Surely my sin isn't that bad. Surely the penalty for my sin isn't such a painful bodily death and also the wrath of God being poured out on him. But we've got to remember what sin actually is. When we sin, when we break one of God's laws, we are saying we don't want God in our life. We are saying to the eternal God, you do not have any right to tell me what to do. Imagine if you said that to the Prime Minister of Australia. You don't have any right to tell me what to do. Any sort of person in a position of authority, a policeman comes along and you say, you don't have a right to tell me what to do. It's outrageous. Imagine saying it to the king of the universe, the one who created you, the one who reigns supreme, and you go and tell him, you don't have any right to tell me what to do, and I'm going to break your law again and again right in front of your eyes. God sees everything, and he sees us break God's, his law again and again. That is a crime against an eternal God, and it deserves an eternal punishment. It is indeed a terrible thing. And so it is right that Jesus should pay a terrible death for our terrible sin. Our sin is not a minimal thing that we can wash off with a bar of soap. It has to be paid for by a sinless one who has the power to endure the eternal wrath of God. And there is only one person that can do that, and that is Jesus Christ. And so if we want to be justified, it's not by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Now you may ask the question, why would Christ do that? Why would the Son of God come into this world and do that for us? Well, it's because of his love for us. He loved us so much that he was willing to pay that penalty for us, that fine that we deserve for our sin. And we read that in verse 20. Of Galatians chapter 2, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what was driving Christ to endure that terrible death, to do all that work, that hard work of paying for sin was love. He loved us, even though we have sinned against him, though we're rebels and enemies of him. He loved us and willingly gave his life for us. Not because he had to. You can't make any demand on Christ. But instead, he lovingly gave his life for you. He died in your place. If you will simply trust in him, 
And so we've got to remember that there's no way to be right with God by observing the law. If there is, then Christ died for nothing. Easter is for nothing. Good Friday is for nothing. What's the point of Christ coming into this world and dying if we can be right with God by observing the law? The Son of God was foolish to come into this world and die if there was another way. But the Scriptures make clear, and if we look at our own lives, we have to admit there has to be no other way. It has to be of Christ because we are sinners. And our sin is great and terrible, and we need someone to pay the penalty for us. And so Christ died for something. He didn't die for nothing. He died for you and your sin, if you'll simply trust in him. So do you think that you can be right before God by your works, by observing the law? Do you think you're not such a bad person? Well, then you're saying Christ died for nothing. That Christ coming into the world was a waste of his time and a waste of his energy. And that's a terrible thing to say about all his work. It's much worse than saying about my little lettuce garden that it was all for nothing. I put a bit of work into it, but not that much, really. But Christ's work is huge. And if you say, I'm a pretty good person and Christ doesn't need to die for me, then you're saying all that work that he did was for nothing. But are you someone instead that recognises that Christ did die for something, for you? Because you acknowledge that you have not observed the law of God as you should. And so you trust, you believe, you have faith in Christ that he paid the penalty for your sin. I encourage you, if you have not considered that today, if you have not recognised that you're a sinner, if you have not recognised that Christ is the payment for your sin at the cross, then do it today. Don't delay. Make this Good Friday a good, good Friday for you because you have trusted in Christ's death for you. And so you have forgiveness of sins. You have the love of Christ poured out for you at the cross. Let us come before our God in prayer. Let us speak with him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the honesty of your word that it does teach us that we cannot be justified by observing the law. But Lord, if justification is to come, it has to be through Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you so much that you willingly sent your son and that Jesus willingly gave his life so that we could be justified, that the penalty that we deserve for our sin is paid for. Lord, we pray that we may trust in him. It is so glorious that there is no other command that we need to do for our salvation, but simply trust in Christ. So, Lord, we pray that we may do so. May we rejoice in Christ's blood shed for us, because we know we have forgiveness of sins, and you have been a gracious God toward us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.